caught offside with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught offside from the suburbs of New York City and an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. It is one of the USA-Mexico games of all time. Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Did you just give yourself a hernia? You have to understand my situation, JJ. I am literally broadcasting my end of the podcast right now from a blanket fort that I have made in my <laughs> in my living room. I'm dead serious. Why? Why? Why is this? Why is I, this? This game shall be known as the Battle of Fort Andrew. It's a natural question to ask. So normally when we do these late night emergency podcasts, you know, obviously every, my, my two kids and my wife are all asleep. I mean, my God, it's like, what is it? Is it 1 a.m. right now? Um, it's 1242. And so they all go to sleep and it's like, all right, all good. I'll just go in the basement. Like it's not a big house, but no one can hear me from the basement. So it's all good. Um, my sister-in-law and her two-year-old came to visit this weekend and they decided at around six o'clock tonight that they were going to stay uh, another night. And so they're sleeping in the basement. And so it kind of hit me at about 601. Um, what, where am I going to go tonight to do this? And my wife was like, oh, just stay in the living room. It's fine. No one will hear you. But everyone will hear me because I'm loud. And that game was crazy. And so I, I built a fort out of blankets that I'm doing this in right now to try to dull the sound. And that's why you're trying to contain your, your, your joy is overflowing. I can feel your joy, but you're trying to not vocalize it as much. So I would say in the history of great silent screaming games or moments, the Horvath penalty save tonight, it vaults to number one on my list of silent screams. Basically great moments that occurred after midnight where I'm afraid I'm going to wake everybody up in my house. This is now number one in the silent screaming power rankings. And it, it passes probably from the last epic U.S.-Mexico match when Bobby Wood scored late in a game that the U.S. wound up losing in the CONCACAF Cup final. Um, but when Bobby Wood scored, that was also super late. And that was also rated very highly on the silent screaming meter. Uh, but this tonight, the penalty save from Horvath, this game, J.J., Obviously, you, me, all of our listeners, we've seen a lot of USA-Mexico over the years. These mm. teams play a lot. They meet in high-stakes games a lot. I'm trying not to be prisoner of the moment. I'm going back in my head, and I'm thinking about the last 20 to 25 years. And I don't know I don't know if I can think, for, from the American fan perspective, I don't know if I can think of a better one. This was epic tonight. Oh, a better one. I mean, when you're talking about the pre-game, I think someone brought up the, the 2017 1-1 draw in the Azteca. So you're kind of in that zone. There's not been that many of them. There's been exciting games, but usually the U.S. men's national team come out on the wrong side of it. I'm thinking of the Gold Cup in 2013 with the Giovanni De Santis absolute golazzo. Incredible game, yeah. And then one of my favorite goals of all time, except it was against the U.S. Um, and then the Confederations Cup playoff in 2015, again at the Rose Bowl. But again, that was that was the defeat. The US came out the wrong side in that one. This is uh, this was such a huge, amazing game. And when you think of how the game started and you think of all the twists and turns in this one, uh, just amazing, an amazing game. And um, I'm well done to, to the US to, to, to get some silverware. That is... Look, this is a tournament. 
I want to place the tournament in context because it, it people will say, and uh, you know, there'll be people out there who are not U.S. fans, and they'll be like, "What? What's what's the big deal about this? This is a makey uppy tournament." Yeah, like when it when it was announced, we had so many listeners. What is this? Why is this happening now? And it was basically to copy the European model of of making friendlies competitive and worthwhile and filling international windows with big games. But from the defeat in Toronto then turning it around at home and now the big long hiatus between the group games and uh, the semi-final and the finals it's been an odyssey but this is silverware for this young team and like I said on last week's pod it doesn't matter that it's the CONCACAF you know champions or nations league or whatever you want to call it this is important because it's a big win in a big spot against Mexico that that is huge Tell me if this makes sense to you, what I'm about to say. Oftentimes in, in any level of competition, in any sport, the, the caliber of the competition gives the game meaning. Mm-hmm. I think what we witnessed tonight is the rare occasion where the complete and total opposite of that is true, where the intensity of the game is now what has given this competition meaning. Like, you're right. Everything you just said about when this tournament was first announced, oh, this is silliness. They're turning, they're, they're trying to do this just to make friendlies, you know, boost TV ratings or whatever, sure. or revenue. And, and we all kind of mocked it. But my God, I mean, those two teams out on that field tonight, they were, were they not desperate to win this game? I mean, oh, 100%. And, and there was, there was such a, an intensity, like you said, to the game from the, from the very start, from both sides. Sometimes it manifested itself in, in nervous energy, and we'll get to that uh, because this was not, this was far from a great US performance. It might not even have been a very good one in terms of what we're now expecting in this new era of US soccer with the young players coming through. But that aside, the intensity was there. Um, there was a lot of players out there who I felt really got. We talked about a baptism of CONCACAF fire against Honduras. Well, we saw a baptism and a lot of that baptism was in beer um, (laughs) on the sidelines, beer, plastic cups, water bottles for some of these young U.S. players. And I mean, if they had any doubt as to what the this rivalry is, they now fully understand it by the end of this 120 minutes. I guess there was just like a certain level of CONCACAF chaos that surrounded this game tonight that just kind of took it to almost a different level. Like you mm. mentioned the beer bottles and all that, that's straight up ugliness and it's hideous. Gio Reyna was hurt. Then late on uh, when Pulisic uh, was down in the corner, more of it. And it looked like I couldn't tell who, but a Mexican player wound up getting hit by a projectile. That's it's disgraceful. But even it was Martin, that, Mar- Henri Martin was hit by one, but so. like, Then even beyond that, you had, I mean, goals, like the craziness of the goals aside, a second minute goal, two late controversial penalties, one of which was saved, you know, just like the madness of the game itself. But at halftime, you had a fan charge the CBS set and jump over a railing. I mean, by the way, do we even know how far that railing drops? That guy could be dead for all we know. Many fans run on the field. This was utter chaos in Denver tonight. Yeah, by the way, if that guy had that burst into the into the back of the CBS uh, studio, had anything political or or had any kind of point he wished to make, nobody got it. Not... Nobody heard it. I mean, it would have been nice if, if, if in Simpson style, as he vaulted over the side, you could hear, I regret nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was wild tonight. The things yeah. that happened. And also, Andrew, like, you know, we are going to try and, 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 and analyze the game as much as possible. But by the way, guys, we're doing this straight away. We haven't seen a replay. We haven't seen anything. We're trying to process everything that happened. But like, you know, there was... <laughs> There was some crazy, crazy things that happened. And I just want to give you a flavor. I'm going to take you behind the curtain. Um, 80 minutes. This is one of the notes I've written. 80 minutes. Goal. And I, and, and I always like to give some context to the goal so I can remember it in my mind for the pod. And here's the context. Shaka Rodriguez falls over his own feet and gives away a corner. McKenny header 2-2. I mean, that might be the turning point of the... Not might be is was the turning point of this game you know you couldn't you could see clearly in that second half there was a little bit of a wind blowing into the corner which i uh, that corner that us were attacking the second half of regular time and i definitely felt that that was making a difference the deliveries were really good and they couldn't handle mckenny and so he thought there were the there was the two saves big saves from ochoa and you thought they, they can't handle corner kicks. They are not capable. And the minute Rodriguez, who had nobody close to him, nobody, there was nobody in his zip code, fell over the ball and gave away a corner. I knew, uh-oh, danger. There's a goal coming here. And there was. I mean, it's one of the things tonight, we kind of joked about it on the last podcast about, you know, I wonder what Alexi Lalas is thinking as he's watching this with set pieces and the importance of set pieces. But I mean, tonight, you almost picture him like stripping down as each of these is occurring. Like it was that kind of night for the US where it's just like- In every, a sensual way. <laughs> yeah, every time they got a set piece, it's like, oh, here we go. Lathering and, himself in butter or something. And it's funny though, because it's one of the things, <laughs> it's one of the things that I wonder about with how this game is going to be received by the American fan base, because in the moment, like you and I are doing this right now and adrenaline is pumping because the game was just that fun and that thrilling. Um, But the dust, the the dust, the dust, the dust is going to settle and we're going to then kind of have some perspective on this game and how we're going to view it. And I'm, I'm slightly conflicted. I'm not trying to throw any cold water on what happened tonight because there was something extremely fun and gritty about what this young group of Americans did to win this trophy and beat a good, a very good Mexican team. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to downplay that because that matters. That's important in winning trophies and, and advancing in competitions and, and getting better as a team to have that experience. But I, there's also this part of me that thought, okay, gritty, you know, that's, that's fun. That's good. We've seen it work here. But in some respects, that's kind of, how do I put this without sounding demeaning? That's kind of like what we pictured to be the old American way. Right. And I think we sort of thought with this new up-and-coming young group, guys playing at Juve, Chelsea, Barcelona, you know, all throughout Europe, major clubs, I, I think we kind of thought, okay, this is going to look different. This is going to look more possession based this is going to be more on the front foot this is going to be less last ditch defending less necessarily having to be reliant on set pieces i'm not saying that those things aren't important and there's going to come moments in every tournament and competition where you're going to have to be be good at those things and successful in those areas but i think we just thought it it was going to look a little bit different tonight it didn't that doesn't mean that it won't going forward but tonight this was sort of like the us of you know, oh, oh, six, 10, 14, like uh, just that kind of like smash and grab gritty set pieces style. Um, tonight, I'm okay with that. 
we'll see though how people react moving forward if if we get more of this. You know what? I think you've absolutely nailed it there, Andrew. Um, I I tweeted out, uh, right after or right before Lionez skint Tim Ream came inside and Kellen Acosta just dangled a leg, which just annoyed me so much. That might be the next one that annoys me a lot, where you just stick a leg out hoping for the best. That might be the one to add to turning your back on a shot for me. Mm. Um, but uh, but right before that, I tweeted out, this is going to be about guts, the old, the old qualities, guts, determination, grit, all those things, and set pieces. And lo and behold, it was. Like, set pieces were so important tonight for the U.S. to get a foothold in this game when the combination play wasn't happening, when they couldn't get a foothold in midfield, when it wasn't working out for Acosta. But I think if, if people look back at the first half and they look at their reactions to that first half performance and even the CBS studio panel's reactions, like Clint Dempsey saying he wasn't happy with the performance, but they were, we were glad we were still in the game. And that's ultimately how you have to feel about it. Um, there wasn't great progressive passing. There wasn't the combinations. We couldn't get Yedlin and Dest forward. They were both pinned in. The three at the back, when it was a three at the back, uh, didn't work out whatsoever. If anything, Tata Martina outcoached Bearhalter in that sense. Any ball into what I call the Reem Brooks corridor created just panic. And Lozano's runs were so, so clever. Even from the first minute, uh, you know, Tecatito goes straight by, um, goes straight by uh, Yedlin, excuse me, goes past Yedlin, uh, gets into the box, and then McKenzie with, you know, just the most uncharacteristic. Um, error compared to what he served up against Honduras. And um, that started a pretty uncomfortable night for him all night long. Yeah. But it was clear to me that, you know, three at the back wasn't working. We much we looked much better when it went to four. We, had, we seemed to be um, much more compact. If you're going to play a three at the back, that extra midfielder has to be functioning in there that you're allowing yourself. And it didn't work. Acosta and McKinney just wasn't something that was working out for us. So again, I'm I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be a syringe of of realism on to inject into this this night. Um but there were things tonight that you 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 weren't happy with. And like I said, the turning point in the game was was Shaka Rodriguez tripping over his own feet. It was I mean it was the door. It was the doorway back in because they couldn't handle corner kicks. And that's a great thing to be able to say. The deliveries were good. McKenney was good. But from open general play with 10 minutes left or however many minutes was left when we equalized, honestly, did you, did you think we were going to open them up? I didn't. No, not really. I mean, you never know what kind of desperation can set in mm. as, a, as a team is watching the, the seconds tick away that can sometimes push them on and, and who knows what it can lead to, but you're right. It wasn't, it wasn't feeling good at that point. Um, I, I guess to bring it back to the, the positive side of things, um, you know, I, I will say this, you're right. It, it, like what we're saying here, it was not necessarily pretty. However, look who we were playing tonight. You know, that this, this American team is young. They collectively have not been in a situation quite like this. And that Mexican team on the other side of them is, as we have come to know over the years, very good. And with, with a core group of players that have been doing this together for a long time. 
um, you know, other like they've got guys like, you know, we boast about our guys in Europe. They've got some, too, who are also at very prominent clubs who are extremely highly thought of in Europe. So, like, that wasn't just some team that, you know, the U.S. was able to eke out a result against. That was a really good Mexican side. Uh, so for this young group of Americans, I, I think it's a huge moment for them to build off of that they know that we can do this now. Um, and I, I do think you see that when you play them, there, there does not look to be any kind of fear factor. Certainly if anything, no. guys like, I mean, look at Weston McKinney's attitude. Yeah. I, I think it was Mo Adu who said late in the game, I'll take that. I'll take Weston on my team anytime. I couldn't agree more. He just I, seems like the guy that you love to have in your corner. And so this is, and his level of winding people up and his level of hosiery doesn't mean, uh, an automatic yellow, you know, like he seems to be in more in control of himself. I guess playing in Italy, you have to be, um, you know, because you got to be streetwise. You, you know, he's suddenly been vaulted to the the top level in Europe. So I'm sure he's learned a few things on his way up. And he he winds players up. He gets involved. He's an excellent footballer. I, I would have loved, I think, I think we all would have loved if Tyler Adams could be alongside him in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I don't think that three at the back is suits us really at this moment in our evolution can uh, i ask as, you i mean just how much of a three at the back was it because it felt to me like dest was more in midfield tonight and reem was kind of playing fullback like it seemed like it yeah kind of shifted to a back four uh it did shift night. back it did it did shift to um i suppose there was a couple of times where when they were in possession of the ball um it was definitely a three at the back and then without it you had Yedlin kind of sliding back over a little bit and it became a four with Ream out wide. But Andrew, whatever way you want to slice that, it's not what you want. Ream in a fullback position, as we saw for, um, for what happened with the, with the Lainez goal, uh, for what happened generally anytime he faced one of the Mexican players, uh, Lozano in the first half, um, and I, I think he may have been Altoona, I think gave him a skin in as well. Um, I, I don't, I think Reem is a center back and I don't want to see him in those wide positions, even if he is the, on the outside of a back three, as it sometimes was, or, you know, as a fullback, a left back, I just, I don't want to see him there, which may mean he's not on the field basically, mm. uh, um, yeah. which I hate to say it, but like as, as awkward a night as it was for McKenzie, I, I do think he can recover from that. I do think he can, he can give you something else. Um, I, I don't think Reem can. I, I, and I, I don't, I don't mean to be, you know, I don't want to be bring the curtain down on his career. Um, or in this case with you under a blanket, bring the blanket down on it, but, um, it wasn't a good night for him. And, um, you know, maybe it's, it's time to look at, at other options. Um, but there was whatever whatever formation you want to say they were playing with and without the ball, which I it felt to me with the gaps that were showing up, it was the three at the back a lot of the time. It didn't work. It's not working. And I don't think it worked in midfield either. But there was grit. There was determination. There was an ability to pull a goal from somewhere that kept this team in the game. And then when you get to extra time, it's it's almost like, you know, the way we say, Andrew, in a final a final, a lot of the rules go out the window and it is about a, a certain mentality, you know, sticking in as long as you can. The U.S. completely stayed in the game as long as they can and they got 
a crucial, crucial penalty, um, which was one of the incidents of the night, one of the many, many incidents of the night. I thought in real time it was a penalty. Um, looking at it again, what could is it is it in, in football parlance a little bit soft? Possibly. I mean, I was pretty surprised that it was given. Yeah. I, I, I thought in real time it was, but looking at it again, I was like, mm. yeah. But then I again, don't... things, uh, you know, the old adage, things even themselves out in the game. There was a rather dodgy pen then that was going to level things up, except for even Hor- Ethan Horvath uh, intervened. Um, so, and, yeah. and that referee was so dramatic in giving those penalties. This is but my the, moment. This is my time to shine with the, the, the slashed pointed arm, like, Ooh, hair metal rock star vibes from that guy when he was he was like listen the, the eyes are on me now here i go here's what i here's what i'll say about i guess well, if we're doing this now let's talk about the penalties for real um so the first one the the one that was given to pulisic to quote dwight Schrute from the office who is quoting billy zane from mm. i think titanic a real man makes his own luck billy zane uh i had said a while ago about pulisic that at some point this guy is going to win an important penalty for the U S it's just how he plays. Like you can see it. His he's, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Joe Gomez that we once referenced when he was asked, who's the most difficult player for you to cover. And, and he said it was Pulisic just because of how, how shifty he is and how, you know, mm. how, how kind of slithery he is through the box. Yeah. You're describing you know, beautiful imagery there. Yeah. It, it, no quick feet. He goes left. He goes right. He's right. Yeah. And so just, by the nature of how he moves, you know, maybe he's just one of these guys who a is going to be putting himself in that position a lot. So you're kind of upping your percentage chances of getting a penalty and B maybe he's just someone who's going to get the benefit of the doubt on some of these calls. And so, you know, I give him credit because he didn't have a great night. I didn't feel like considering the fact that he's our best player um, to me, is that, is from- that not more symptomatic Andrew of the fact we didn't get him the ball. We didn't have a ton of the ball for many stages in the game. Uh, I suppose that's true. But uh, yeah, I mean, right. If, if you don't have possession, then he can't have possession. Like that is a natural conclusion that, that you can reach. Um, but as the game wore on, I thought he kind of played himself more into the game. It seemed like he moved Definitely. a little bit deeper into the midfield. So he was able to get himself in position more often to, to take it, run with it, set other guys up. You know, he had the one ball. He took it at midfield, made a great turn and go and got it right to McKinney, who then put one on net and Sargent couldn't quite get to the rebound and or he got to the rebound, but he couldn't put it on target. So you started to see more from Pulisic as the game wore on and then it all built up to that penalty. So, you know, it's I guess if it's a 50 50 call, you kind of just have to live with it whichever way it goes. And fortunately for American fans, it went the way of the U S and, and boy, did he take that penalty with a lot of confidence, smashed it into the, uh, the top corner. Um, so well done. I mean, you saw what it meant to him, ripped his shirt off, went right over to that. Corner. Oh yeah. He, he got that Eagle and that flag out, didn't he? <laughs> he, it meant, I mean, look, this guy clearly playing for this team, as we saw at the conclusion of the Champions League final, means a whole hell of a lot to him. And so, you know, to do that in that moment against that team, you just I can't even imagine what it must have felt like for him uh, to do that. And then let's go to the next decision. Um, Look handballs. I don't even know what to say anymore about this. We've kind of covered this for for years. It doesn't matter how 
the rules change, how wording changes. It's never going to be clear. To me, in looking at it, it's not a penalty. McKenzie's arm is is at his side. I don't really know what else he can do other than cut his arm off. But we've seen by the same token, we've seen it given. So uh, I guess you can't be surprised that it's given again tonight. It's just one of those decisions that every referee is going to interpret differently, and you just kind of hope that you don't find yourself in that situation. Tonight they did. And fortunately, they were bailed out by some unbelievable goalkeeping from a substitute goalkeeper. So I just want to say a few things about that. Um, it's not a great penalty, but it's still a difficult penalty uh, because of where it is. So it's you might. OK, the height it's at is just not high enough for you to say that's a that's a good height for him. It's not a terrible height, but the. The point is, it's quite close to him. So he's got to get down and he's got to be agile to get low to it and save it. And he did. It's a better save. I, th- I think in time, I'll appreciate it more as a better save. Now, Guardado was crestfallen with, with, his, with his effort. It, he knew he didn't strike it the way he wanted to. He didn't put it far enough in the corner. Yeah, not a great penalty. But you still got to save that. And he absolutely did. Andrew, I know we're jumping around here, but it's such is the nature of tonight. Um. We, we have talked about, you know, we didn't see an awful lot of the new U.S. or the U.S. we, we believe we're, we're entering the era of. The young players, combination plays, a more front foot approach. But I would say that I've marked two moments, so I don't forget about them. I'm going to mention them now. On 34 minutes, the U.S. pressed, won the ball back um, through McKenney. And Reyna got on it and he fired a a cross ball, really, really good ball, um, which Sergeant, it's not that he didn't read it. He just couldn't get us get on the end of it. And I thought, well, that's evidence of a front foot approach, which I'd like to see more of from Greg Berhalter, um, which is, you know, pressing. If you can't work the ball all the time through your midfielders like Acosta or like McKenney to the areas that you want to. You know, turnovers are like what Jurgen Klopp said. Turnovers are like having a number 10. You create so much through them. If you win the ball in the right area, suddenly you're in an advantageous position. And the second one I want to talk about was really good combination play. Happened uh, around the hour mark, which was a really big chance uh, for when McKenney forced the save um, from Ochoa. Yeah, that's the one I mentioned before with with Sargent on the rebound attempt. Yes, well, which it, it hopped up just awkwardly and a little yeah. bit to the side for him, which made it difficult. But my point about that was that the build-up play to that was really nice too. So it's not, I, I don't want anyone to come away with this saying, God, those guys were negative. Now, I'm not being negative. I'm saying this team can play where, can play in the style that, that we want to see going forward. It has the personnel to do so. We saw it only in flashes tonight. But often, Andrew, that is the way a final goes. Finals are not classics. They're often gritty, uh, absorbing affairs. And tonight just happened to have five goals in it. Yeah. And look, by the same token, I don't know that Mexico, like we're sitting here poking holes in what the U.S. did tonight and what we expect from, we're doing that in a win. I mean, what are they thinking on the Mexican side right now? I mean, that was obviously not a perfect performance from them by any stretch. No. You know, they, they had their chances. They they did score a couple goals. Um, you, you talk about turning points. They were barely denied a second one early on off of the um, the VAR review of the offside. Which was a lovely move, a clever corner kick, move guys out of position and uh, 
Kellen Acosta and Weston McKinney were asleep at the back post. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that could have been a massive moment in its own right. But ultimately, this was not a great game for Mexico either. And, you know, the Americans have something to do with that. Um, you know, I thought defensively, you know, before we end this podcast, we'll get into our takeaways from these past couple games moving forward into the Gold Cup and, and World Cup qualifying. Um, but, you know, defensively, there are issues. But ultimately, I thought John Brooks, for the most part, was was good again tonight. Um, I, I, I think it's, and it's not always his fault. Brooks stepping into the midfield, trying to win, like he gives away a lot of fouls, trying to win balls. I don't think the center half should be trying to win, but I think that's, I think that's a midfield issue uh, rather than a, um, a John Brooks issue. Um, yeah, that could very well be. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned it being a midfield issue. I don't think that's our preferred midfield. No, um, I'm a little bit surprised. We didn't see Eunice Musa in this one, mm. but clearly, I mean, I'll, it's one of those things, I guess I'll have to trust the manager. Um, I think, um, I think way coming into the game when he did was good. Andrew, I thought, I thought he showed a lot of life, a lot of purpose. Um, he was quite direct and, um, and there was, there was much more of a, of a collective willingness to, to filter back as well from the, from the formation change that was made towards the end, end of the game. I can't even remember right now wh- at what point we went to a, a solid back four, um, a permanent back four. But we did um, during the game. Uh, my, I, I, I don't think I've watched the game in a long, long time. And I know it was 120 minutes where so much happened. Like, you know... There was the five goals, sure. If it was just the goals we had to analyze, this would be easy. But there was so many different little things happened. We haven't even mentioned we lost our goalkeeper, our number one goalkeeper, in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, we haven't even really analyzed the first goal where I think both McKenzie is obviously egregiously at fault. And to a lesser extent, I'm worried about how many shots at a high level close to him go in uh, with Zach Steffen. But um, I- yeah. I mean, those are both, look, McKenzie to me, that he's the one tonight who will be feeling worst about that. Um, you had mentioned Yedlin and the role he played, you know, with um, with that goal. I'll say mm-hmm. this about Yedlin. He, he, in classic DeAndre Yedlin style, did get back and recovered on that play and, and was able to get it to McKenzie. And you think, oh, okay, bullet dodge. Nice job, DeAndre Yedlin, showing his speed, getting back. And then, obviously, the rest is history. In terms of Stefan's role in, in conceding that goal, I know you texted me straight out. Um, and, and said that you it's think Stefan's so- got to do better than that. It's, I, I can see why you'd say that. I think mm. I saw Matt Doyle tweeted also that Horvath would, would have saved it. I um, know, I know. It's not that. It's just the way he moves his head and the way he kind of lowers himself at that point. It reminded me very much of the McGinn goal uh, in the friendly there a few weeks back against Northern Ireland. I, I, just, I just think a big guy like that has got to do better with those sh- near post shots. Yeah. Now, look, in fairness to Stefan, saved the, uh, a 1v1. Uh, a little bit later on in, in a huge moment in the game. Uh, so, you know, I give him credit for that. He is, he is a good shot stopper. He's a good goalkeeper, um, but it's close between him and Horvath. And I'm not just saying that because Horvath came on and, and was the hero tonight before this game. I think you and I would have said that the, you know, it's a, it's a fairly thin line between those two. Um, and this was, this was a big night, certainly for Ethan Horvath to maybe gain some ground on that number one job. Um, a couple notes that I, I did want to point out about Mexico. Um, okay. Boy, JJ. I mean, you could tell Diego Linez comes on 
And I, I put in my notes here, 78th minute, sub, Linez comes on from Mexico and looks really ready to make an impact. That was before much happened. Yeah. That, like Then one minute later, 79th minute in my notes, goal, <laughs> Linez gets in the box. I mean, Ream giving him just so much space uh, to, to get it, settle it, bring it inside and, and blast one past Horvath. Um, you know, like that guy tonight, sometimes you can just see when like a player sort of emerging in some ways before your eyes. Um, and to me, Diego Linez was that guy who jumped off the screen tonight. He came on as a sub. Maybe there were tired legs around him. I'm sure there were, but boy, he was, he was ready for the moment and he was terrific in a cameo appearance. So I, I give him all the credit in the world. You know, you can see there's some young talent over there. Like we talk about the veteran players from Mexico that we saw out there tonight that continue to make an impact, but there's, you know, they have a next generation coming forward too, that are going to be dangerous for us, to, for the Americans to face for years to come. And he, he looks like one of those guys. Um, but then the other thing I wanted to mention, I guess that's the good, the bad. I mean, th this is more on the referee, I think, than it is Mexico, but I mean, what does Hector Herrera have to do to get sent off? I mean, my God, that, that to me was, I I don't understand like the referee in in that situation there like Herrera is already on a yellow card and he, and the referee is giving him the early after that tackle who was the tackle on Andrew was it Kellen Acosta I can't remember where where he really should have got the second yellow and been sent off and the referee is doing the the hands the calm down thing like it's the second minute of the game and he's giving him a pass on a rash first challenge Right. Like, I really couldn't believe that. Um, I thought Mexico got got quite ragged um, for a while, lost their composure a bit, stopped, um, stopped playing. I mean, they were ragged on the sideline. You saw that Tata Martino got a red card. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I would consider that being ragged on the sideline. I think that was just him, like, nervously awaiting what the call was going to be on that penalty decision. Put his ref. arm around the ref. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, there but was... I, I, gen I genuinely I genuinely thought there was a yeah, a bit of a a coming apart at the seams because I really do think that right up until the US equalizer, again, up until Shaka Rodriguez did what he did, they were they were in control, you know. Yeah, that I mean that was certainly how it felt. Mm. I I would agree with you. I, I would fully Agree with you. Just thinking now about the Martino red card, it's like you mentioned before how so many things happened tonight. It's almost hard to keep track. Like I had forgotten that Tata Martino was sent off in this game. You had, you know, also you, looking at managers, you had the Bearhalter collision on the, the sideline when, you know, the ref had to come over and kind of settle him down when Greg was like part of the action, trying to get the ball back in play as quickly as possible. Um, other events that occurred tonight, JJ, we had another sadly predictable anti-discriminatory delay in this one. Yeah. Even though it had been happening all game from what we heard, there was already, there was uh, Jeff Carlisle tweeted earlier in the game that there had been a message go gone out um, across the screens, across the stadium uh, address system to stop that chant. And um, again, CONCACAF decide late on for their, for them to have their, their stoppage their What is it? Uh, one of a three-part protocol. Right. And I mean, hearing them describe how that could have gone had it continued with the match being abandoned and then being forced to be played the following day behind closed doors. I mean, my God, like 
I, I don't know, man. It's one of those things we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast over the years that I'll just never understand why, it, you, why the fans feel they have to say that. They just have to. It's like they're programmed to say it. There's no other way. It's embarrassing. It. it is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. The fans tonight in general, that um, the debris being rained on the field, our, our mutual friend, JJ, Dan Berenson, lives in Denver and was at the game tonight. And he was basically like sending me reports from the game. And he said, you know, he, he was telling me just like there's debris everywhere, yeah. that it was just like chaos uh, in some of these moments, it was, I mean, I, I guess in a dark way, it kind of, it kind of added to like oh, the mystique of the game. Look, we secretly, um, uh, homophobic slurs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about aside the, yeah. the febrile atmosphere that's created is, and I don't, I also, I don't want to see kids get hit with batteries in the head. No. Or, or urine. I don't, don't want to see that, but like, the, the floods of beer, the stuff like that, the general hostility. Um, I, football fans are lying if they don't say that they revel in that sometimes or they enjoy seeing it. It just adds so much to the theater of the moment. Um, can I just read a, a quick message we've got from a listener? Yeah. Uh, Robert, based on your interview last week with that person who wrote that book about <laughs> USA losing their way back and, the fa- and uh, failing the fans, but I think I just fell back in love with the USA. These players, their passion. When world number one Horvat saved world number one Horvat saved Why that penalty, not? I jumped up and down like a kid at Christmas. Last time I did was the 2015 at the Concacaf Cup when Bobby Wood tied the match up. Oh, it's the same thing I said. Those are my two silent screaming moments. Yeah, that just that just came through. Um, so you know this game, this game has taken on a kind of a meaning and a life of its own, and that is that is good. Oh, um, this game is going to be talked about for years. Like this was, like I said at the start of this podcast, it is. If you're an American fan, it's it's one of or maybe the defining U.S. Mexico game. I mean, look, the ones in World Cup qualifying, the Dos Aceros, like those are kind of almost in a category unto their own because it's World Cup qualifying. Um, but like this was, this is right there with with any of those from a drama standpoint from. You know, just what it means for this new generation of American players, just how important this was for them. You could see it. You could see it all night long. Yeah. yeah. And, and and look, you know, the I guess I guess it's a night where when you've won a cup and you've beaten your great rivalry, you know, the analysis can wait a little bit. Um, but if you were to look back at some of the messages you got at halftime, um, people were angry. Yeah, they 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 weren't in particularly enjoying uh the the performance, but that's the brilliant thing about football. Uh, football has a way of just lifting you to a completely different place all of a sudden. And um, yeah, that's where we are right now. Um, yeah. Speaking of halftime, I did want to say um, for those who were watching it, that I looked it up and equanimity is a word. <laughs> uh, it's defined as mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. So props to Gucci on uh, he was was he it. using it in that context, though? I thought so. Yeah, equanimity. All right, I was surprised. Just that give the... it to him. Come on, why do you got to fight it? No, no, I'm not fighting. I'm just wondering. I, I was, I was shocked at the rest of the panel having never heard that before. That's uh... they were still rattled from the the invader. <laughs> I think yeah, they were may, still gathering themselves. May, maybe that was the case. Maybe that was the case. Um. So before we get out, right, kind of bigger picture stuff. Yes. Um. 
I mean, let's kind of talk about we're exiting, you know, these these couple games, Honduras and more so really. I mean, my focus is going to be primarily more on what happened tonight because Mexico is always the measuring stick game for the U.S. How are we feeling? I mean, what are we're, we're coming out of this with what concerns, with what optimism? I mean, where, where are we at now? Well, allow me to be the the person who kind of just puts the worries forth. Okay. And you you can do the positive stuff, uh, you know. I think I think it's 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 there's there's a problem. I think defensively. I think, uh, and it's probably the manager's problem in that we're still. I'm not convinced that he's still got the formationally, at least how he wants that defense to operate. He wants obviously to have two attacking fullbacks in the modern style. Well, if he wants that, then I think his midfield needs to be able to slot in and fill those, fill those gaps when they appear in transition. So I think that's an issue. I think, I think the center of the park is an issue. We need Tyler Adams fit. We need him fit quickly. We hope we real quick. Is it cool if I like jump in and we talk about some of these? Sure. Um, Because I at least want to mention with what you're saying about the defense, because you're right. I mean, it's hard to come out of this feeling any other way than like every time Mexico went forward tonight, you tensed up. And if your defense is sound and solid, you don't. (laughs) And so like clearly the fact that I'm sure collectively all of us watching tonight felt that way, that means something. Mm. Um, So like I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, You know, like we said, we're never going to have a fully healthy team. So we have to know that. But like you also said, I don't know that this is his preferred unit. Like, like you know, Tim Ream no. is probably not in that preferred unit. Uh, Chris Richards, well, he probably likes, is. Uh, I just saw Chris Richards was named to Hoffenheim's fans, uh, Hoffenheim team of the year. So that's that's certainly a positive for him. Yep. Um, and look, I'll say this about Mark McKenzie, uh, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Someone made this point, I think, during the broadcast tonight, but. Like, I do think it's good that he went through that and and the U.S. still won the game. Like, I think that that's important for a young player to kind of like, you know, build those build those kinds of scars in a game. And you know what? You made it through and your team still won and like you survived. Like, it's okay. I'm sure his teammates are picking him up. You know, he because Mark McKenzie had good moments tonight, too. He had a crucial block. Uh, at one point in this game the, on, a, on a really big moment. Sure, he had the horror moment to start and he had the handball, but I think his teammates will tell him, look, that's not a handball. We all know it. It's nonsense. Like, so I think that it's something that like, hopefully things that happened tonight that were negative for him can be just sort of reconfigured as learning experiences and kind of like try to take some positives from it. Okay. Uh, just back to the midfield, I'd like to see Tyler Adams in there. I think I think he he will perform a big function uh, as a six, and uh, in a way that we we don't have the guys right now, so we don't have the depth there. Is what I would say. Um, I, I would also see how Bearhalter wants to, you know, really he, he talks about ball progression a lot, and you know it it really wasn't there tonight for a lot at a lot of moments in the game. So, so how do we do that? And how do we get Yunus Musa into the team who, when he has played in friendlies, I know they're only friendlies in the past. There was, there was a moment in that, in that game where I would have, I would have loved to have seen it, particularly as Mexico began to tire, tire what Yunus Musa could do, um, carrying the ball and being involved in build up play and things like that. Um, 
And finally, I would just say, you know, we have options there. Um, I'm not sure who he wants to lead the line. I see qualities in Sargent. I've said that. Um, do I see enough goals? Maybe not. Again, we were playing the best opposition that CONCACAF has to offer tonight. So there's, a, there's going to be other teams that he, he will surely feature against. Um, and my final concern is that what everyone is saying and, and, and what's probably going to happen is that the Gold Cup will be a mostly B team, a, a mostly MLS roster. And we don't see these guys again until World Cup qualifying. And that leaves a void in my soul. It leaves worries lingering. Like well, so because because like we talked about, you want them, you want to build on this. You want them yeah. to keep playing is... together and keep developing chemistry. Like Look, now we to... go straight from this into the games. Not to say that this doesn't didn't matter, but now now they're gonna really matter. Uh, so like, you hope everyone's on the same page. I get yeah. that. Yeah, I, you hope there's enough being being done in training and in games across these two games to sustain through until. World Cup qualifying after the summer. So um, those those are my main concerns. But tonight's a night of, a night of positivity, Andrew. Yeah. And uh, I just wish everyone could see you. Like, Can you even see me? It's I, can, very, I mean, I, it's obviously pitch black in my fort. Uh, yeah, I, I got to be careful with the things I want to say. But the, you, uh, it's, it's a bizarre, it's an absolute, I'm going to take a picture of it. There we go. It's a it's quite an image. That's all I'm going to say. It's quite an image. You look like you're hiding out. Um, I am. Yeah. But I um, literally am. I'm hiding from everyone in my house because I don't want to wake them up. Yeah. What a night, man. Um, I'm going to struggle to sleep tonight because I'm going to start watching like, you know, post-match interviews and and jubilant players and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, but I should remind everyone that the football doesn't stop with us. No, oh my have... God, JJ! I spent all day combing through European Championship previews. <laughs> I mean, like my build-up to this game was all like, okay, what do what do I need to know about North Macedonia? <laughs> but, what is the correct pronunciation of Alioski? Um, a couple. I, I'll give you gave some of the the concerns. Uh, a couple positives. Obviously, it's not really going to be anything revelatory. Like if we're just talking about the pure balance of play and the style of play, there's not a ton that I can really pick from. I mean, look, the obvious is set pieces. Weston McKinney is clearly excellent in the air. We knew that already. And he showed it again, time and time again tonight. Uh, So, you know, that's, that's a huge thing um, to move forward with. And I think it's also good that like, now we kind of know, okay, Christian Pulisic should be taking corner kicks, but he played in a couple great balls, uh, was it Gio Reyna who played the other one um, that I, that McKinney scored on? Uh, but I, I think it was Pulisic who played in the one where McKinney hit the post and then Reyna scored. So, like, we seem to have that down, and and I feel pretty good about that. And that's that's important. Uh, also, I just mentioned Reyna. We haven't really talked much about him, but it, I'm glad that he got a goal tonight because the way he played against Honduras and then in, in stretches tonight, um, he earned it. And he deserved one. And that was that was a great moment uh, for him to score that, obviously, in the context of the game, but just like just a guy who deserved it and his parents in the stands like that was Mm. it was hard not to feel extra good watching that play out. Um, And then I guess ultimately the only other one right now that I can think of is just kind of what we've been talking about tonight. And it is like 
what this game will mean to this young group moving forward. Like this is coming from behind um, twice against Mexico, like in a, in a game with a trophy on the line, this is going to be something now that they can lean on moving forward. Like there will be other difficult moments that they're going to be faced with that they collectively can look back on this and say, okay, we've, we've done it before. Like, come on guys, we're good. Like we know we can do this. And I think for a young team, um, who's coming together the way they are to have this experience in their back pocket. I think it can, uh, it, it can really be important for them moving forward. So just like from the, from a mentality standpoint and from their mindset, uh, this was, this was vital to get this tonight. So good for them. And I would say also, like I said before, we have not one, but I would say two legitimately good goalkeepers that I feel pretty good about. And that's, that's a nice thing to have as well. Can I uh, make a suggestion on how we end this pod? I think we should break with tradition. There should be no check you later fun boy for that mm. is from a manager of a bygone era. I think everyone would like to hear you say, because maybe it's been, it's come to fruition tonight or part fruition. Everyone would like to hear you say, Oh, it is indeed a bright future. That's how you want to end this. That's how I want to end this. Because- but, well, before we do, I did have one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, I, don't remember who it is. I'll see if I can get my Twitter up in front of me. It's a little bit hard because I'm holding my fort up with my left hand while trying to balance my microphone on my lap. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, live from the fort, it's Andrew Gundling. So here I found a tweet from uh, Matt Skiandra, who tweets it as a bunch. He said, I feel like I can ask this since he's now a certified American hero who can do no wrong. But does Ethan Horvath have a bit of the uh, at a Gundling WBS about him? That's uh, for those who don't know, that's weird body syndrome. Oh, what a what a thing to say about a top class athlete playing in in Europe. I see it, though, and I'm proud. Um, like I said, there are dozens of us. And when we see a high profile one, it means a lot. It means a lot to us. And so to see someone who clearly is is maybe suffering with an albeit minor case of WBS uh, excel in the field of battle, the way that Ethan Horvath did tonight, it, it goes a long way in furthering our cause. So it means a lot to the community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's important. Um, But yeah, JJ, if you want to go out like that, I'm happy to, to be that guy and say those words because I'm feeling it tonight. I'm certainly feeling it, man. Oh, it is a bright future. Perfect. I'll see you later, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 